So put your hands together and welcome Brian Campbell. Hey, everybody. You guys liking this uh, AC? This is literally about the coolest place in this valley right now, so it's good to be here. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, we're tangled up here. <laughs> there you go. You're oh, nice. sweet. Okay. All right, there we go. Everybody right. needs some hot coffee today, you know, so. Yeah, <laughs> on this nice cold day. If you stay in here long enough, you'll get goosebumps and it'll be great. So, all right. Well, Brian, welcome to the Youth Leaders Oasis. We're pumped to have you. Um, we're going to, I'll ask you a couple questions and we'll open it up for these guys to, to ask you the things they want to hear about. But uh, we'll kind of start out with this. You have a new album coming out. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we, um, we have a, a new album that it's our first one that we've released in about three or four years now. And we had it all planned out to release it in 2014. And, and uh, just circumstances kind of stopped the whole process in the middle of it and made us just kind of rethink the whole thing. And um, in the midst of that, my I ha we have two kids. My my son is two and a half years old, and he's here running around somewhere today. And our daughter's six months old, and so it's just a lot of transition in our family as well. And um, it ended up being uh, kind of uh, it was kind of enigmatic of what was going on in the local church as well around the world. We saw a lot of people just in flux and transition, and so we're like, God, what are you doing here? seems like you're you're leading us through something to experience a season that other people are experiencing so we can communicate something here for the local church around the world and um that's where the the songs from this record really came from it's a worship record and really meant to just kind of gather god's people together and worship and just meet with him and let him do what only he can do so yeah that comes out next friday that we did a song from it this morning called born again and that's um, the first single. It's going to be uh, released on Friday as well. Um, so, okay, you have a two-year-old and a six-month-old. That's a, that's a lot right there. And so how is it uh, balancing your family, your ministry, travel, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. well, you know, I think uh, for, for, for us it's been um, when our son was born, we went from doing like 250 events a year to like 20 to 30. So it was a big change. And... Uh, we were there for about a year and a half of just kind of figuring out what it looks like to be a family. And uh, I think a lot of us in ministry kind of go through seasons like that. And calling will shift and calling will change. And for us, that was a big thing of just walking that out of how does calling shift and change. And and um, for us worship guys, a lot of times that's, that's a really tricky thing because so much of our identity gets mixed up in the music that we do and all that all that kind of stuff too and and so it was a real kind of gut check of of just you know who who are you who is God say that you are regardless of what you do that kind of stuff and so that's been a lot of this season and we started traveling again about a year ago and um just putting together worship nights where we where we meet together as God's people to uh encounter him and be changed um, I know you work a lot with uh, youth youth and worship leaders, and so what's some general things you can talk with everyone about, about um, helping your students to engage in worship and just, uh, you know, even just right attitudes for worship leaders, things like that. What's good advice that you'd like to give, give this group here? 
can I share a little bit of my story? And I I grew up in church ministry, <laughs> and I, I was uh, I grew up the the way that I learned to sing was in the church. The way that I I, I um, what motivated me to learn guitar and piano was being in church. I had a, a uh, there was a worship leader who was kind of an interim guy at our church, and he was at a church out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And he he they were like we'll give you a, we'll give you a year, and if you don't mess this up, then maybe we'll think about hiring you on full time, and um, that's that's Matt at LCBC, and so he's a he's a worship pastor out there, and and he he kind of took me under his wing during that year, and and he had a lot on his plate that he could have been doing, and he just took time to buy me my first guitar and just spend time with me, and. And it wasn't anything rocket science, whatever, but he just invested in me as a person and kind of taught me a lot of those intangibles. And I just would encourage you that, that the time that you invest in students is, is so pivotal and you have no idea what the dividends will be because there, there is a lot of seed that you just kind of sow and you, you're like, man, I hope it takes, you know. But there's a lot of people that um, just, just by investing that time in them, you, you have no idea how, how significant that is in people's lives. And so, so thank you for that. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to take kids out to a festival in the middle of Pennsylvania and spend a week with them. It's, it's significant and, and it's life-changing. So, um, How did you come to know Jesus? A big part of it was creation. I grew up in a, in a, a Christian home. And I said a prayer when I was two years old, but I remember being in this in this field when I was 11, and Bob Lentz was speaking, and he he was just he was sharing. He's like, "Who's who's ready to really live it out?" And um, I felt like he was talking right to me, and and I stood up and I went to the prayer tent and committed my life to Christ. <laughs> but I, I, it so it was a big part of it, and. Um, and that was that started kind of that that movement towards the Lord and getting really serious about my faith that um, before I you know I, I grew up going to church and you know going with mom and dad on Sundays it was it was in the time when you would be at church from like Sunday morning to Sunday evening and you didn't really know what a Sunday weekend was you know kind of thing but it, it was this really really special thing because that even that was such a foundation you know and so I think for a lot of students, there's a lot of godly foundations that God is laying that we don't even realize until later. So um, just to encourage you on that, like don't don't take it for granted, you know, like those times that that it may f feel like, well, we're just going through the motions on this stuff. I was in in Awana and and Bible clubs when I was a kid, and and I, I had to learn scripture and. And I, I did it because I got, like, prizes and I got stuff, you know. But the, my, my understanding of God's word came out of those times. And it wasn't until, like, 20 years later that it started to make sense and started to click. And, and I had some context for it. But I, I would say God doesn't waste a thing, you know. So, so just hope, I'm hoping that encourages you today. Don't, um, God isn't wasting your time. He's not wasting you on people. Uh, he's, he's, direct, he's putting you directly in people's lives so that they'll be changed and, 
and and there's going to be eternal impact. I'll ask one more question, then we'll open it up for the crowds to be thinking out there. What would you like to know? Uh, but do you have a favorite moment um, anywhere on tour or even here at Creation, a favorite moment of worship leading? I don't. <laughs> it's all pretty cool. I mean, just it's really neat to be able to do this and to be able, like even I, I just think just even on moments like this morning, you know, where people are gathering together and there, there's moments where we can just kind of sing and the music kind of fades away. Those usually tend to be like my, my moments where I'm just like, man, I don't even need to be here. And that is just such a cool feeling. All right. Any questions out there? Right here. If they're anything like me, they won't have to worry about sporting events too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. And I like the way that you phrased it, too, because it's like, what are you going to do about it? That's really good. I haven't thought about it a lot. Um, I, I, know, I, I know for us, um, I, th I think a lot of those decisions are made a lot earlier in terms of how what you prioritize as a family like and and it's I th it, it's like a lot of stuff you know it's so slippery slope kind of deal and it's like man well dad dad wants to go to dad wants to go to the Steeler game or the Eagles game or maybe neither if you're a Patriots fan and <laughs> at that point get out of this room yeah <laughs> but oh no <laughs> oh man no, I think I think it's 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 in those little decisions that we make as families and how we lead our families that are the biggest biggest things and the things that I prioritize now are the things that are my my family's going to prioritize. It, if I prioritize those things now, I've already answered that question. You know what I mean? Like I, if I've if I've made the decisions now to to prioritize the things of God, then it's it's not a question in 10 years if, if it's like, oh, are we going to do that or how is that going to look? And I don't want to oversimplify it because I know like if you've got a kid who's, you know, really good at soccer and is in the tournament thing, um, man, I'd say, I'd say go for it, you know, <laughs> like find ways to, to invite the Lord into that, to make that your mission field. I think that's another thing too. Um, I th for, for us in America, the church is just in such a massive period of transition, right? If you live north of uh, a certain line across the United States from like Texas to uh, maybe Virginia, you're in like a post-Christian culture. And that looks a lot different than if you're in Christendom, which is kind of south of there. And so we have a real opportunity. I think um, some of the places where we get to reach people the most are at those soccer games. Um, they're at those other places. And so the challenge for us is how do we, how do we invite um, uh, fellowship 
with the Lord and with each other in the midst of the activities that we're doing? How do we find ways to maybe rethink um, discipleship and evangelism in the midst of that and find opportunities to reach out to people? So, so it's, I think a big part of it is, is just the reality that we carry the kingdom. And then, okay, so we carry the kingdom, but we still need fellowship. We still need discipleship. We still need community. And we still need the assembly of God's people. So how do we find the ways to be the ecclesia, the church, in the midst of all that, I think is really important. Hopefully that wasn't too long-winded. Other questions? Yeah. going to date myself here <laughs> um there was when columbine happened there was uh that really affected me just personally and i was like 12 years old and and it was one of the questions that was kind of asked actually in youth groups was it what would you do if you were in a similar situation or what would you do if you're if even if you're not in a similar situation what would it look like for you to stand up for your beliefs and do you really believe this? And it really affected me. And um, I had learned piano growing up and I just kind of sat down and, and started writing lyrics and, and chords and stuff like that. And, and so for a lot of, I think for a lot of people who are writing their own music, the writing part happens. You, you find you're like, oh, I, I just like to write. I like to write music or I can't help but write, you know? Um, and, and then the, the challenge is how do we, how do we hone that and, and begin to develop that? And, um, one of the tools I've really found that helps writers is co-writing, um, just getting together with other writers and, and, um, maybe having a song idea that you've worked on and you're like, you've got those song ideas that are 50 to 60% done. And you're like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do from here and bring somebody else into it that you trust and say, what do you think about this? What's your input? And they'll teach you maybe a different perspective on how they write or something they bring to it. And you'll write a song together that's um, complete, you know, and, and you, you guys will both be hopefully happy with too. But finding those ways to do that and, and um, just, just inviting people into your own writing process, people you trust, just, hey, what do you think about this? What would you add? Would you contribute to it? That kind of stuff. And it'll, it'll help you start to think of those things and anticipate those things in your own writing too. Other questions? Anyone? Anyone? I usually go the opposite way. Yeah, so some people, when they write, they're more melodic, and they, they get like a melody, and they're like, oh, I really like this melody. I want to make this a song, so I'll put some words with it, and that's, that's who I am. <laughs> but there's... Awesome. there are other people who will write with like lyrics first and then they're they're like there are people who have books and books and books of lyrics but they have no melodies and they're like i i feel like i need to write songs but i don't know the first place to start with melodies and so from the co-writing place 
what what I would what I always encourage like a, somebody who's more melodic is find like a lyric writer or if you're a lyric writer find somebody who's more melodic and can help you with that too. So find somebody who who will complement your own kind of weaknesses in your writing and together you'll be able to write better songs as a result of it. How are you? There are a couple moments kind of thing. Um, I can share some of my moments that, that God did in my life. I was, I actually, we moved when I was 16 from, I grew up in Lancaster, and we moved out to Pittsburgh, and we live in Ohio now. We're, we're based there. But when we moved to Pittsburgh, I, I stopped playing, and I stopped writing, and I stopped leading worship, actually, too, and had about three years just through that transition at the end of high school into college where I wasn't doing a lot with music. But all the foundations were there. And um, when I was 19, I ended up going to Italy for a 10-day mission trip and, uh, and ended up coming back there for the summer, and it was just life-changing summer. Um, God just uh, did a really powerful thing in my own heart and taught me a lot just about who he is, who he was, and, and who I am in him. And um, during that summer, I was working with missionary kids for a good part of the summer, and they were all musicians. They wanted to start a band, and so from these, these foundations that God had put in my life, from this mentor that I had when I was like in junior high and high school, and from other people, I had the tools that were needed to, to really help this team get started, and then in the midst of that, um, there was this really, they just had this awakening experience while they were there, and I was in the middle of it too, and, and God was just doing this really powerful work in the, in the midst, so there were all the, the practical side of it that God had been had prepared me for, and then he gave me vision from his heart on what that looked like. So when I came back to the States, I had all these pieces, and I was like, God, what, what's next? You know, what does that look like? And um, it really was listening to worship music in my dorm room at college and bringing a journal uh, and bringing my Bible and just spending time with the Lord, getting to know him, and from that, bringing my guitar into that place and starting to write in that place too. And opportunities to lead worship just came out of that, just with groups of friends. So, um, so for me, it was it was this kind of slow journey of God just ordering my steps as I saw His face. And then um, after college, there was an opportunity to really, really uh, move into that. But it, it took those steps to say, okay, how do we logistically do this? And some of that was changes in my perspective too, where I saw it as like a hobby instead of a career, and then moving into the practical side of that, of saying, okay, if, if you're called to this, if, I, if you know at this point that you're called to this, then what are the practical steps that you can take to begin to step into that? And um, like, if it's my job, then I spend a certain hours, number of hours a week doing that thing or preparing for that. Or, you know, if you're starting a business, for instance, you spend time preparing that and creating that business and reaching out to contacts, all, all the things that you would do in a business. But sometimes when we think about calling, we're like, oh, well, we'll just wait for the Lord to kind of do it, you know? But the reality is that when God calls, 
often he's he's saying, okay, I've called you to this. I've commissioned you for this. This is in your hands. What are you going to do with it? And for, for, for me, it took about two to three years to really understand that and say, okay, God has called me to this. I know he's going to bless the work of my hands, but I still need to work, right? I still need to do the work kind of thing. And so all of that was part of the journey for me personally in, in that of, of understanding, okay, God had, had had these sovereign foundations in my life. Then um, he, I had this encounter with him where he, he began to, to affirm and confirm some of those things, and he showed me that I was called to this, and then I had to figure out how to walk that out in, in a practical as well. And so I think for, for a lot of people, it's that kind of journey. And um, so if you have students like that who are in that place or walking that out and saying, man, I think I'm called to this. I think I'm called to uh, not, just, not just do this for fun or something like that, but I, I'm really, God, I feel like God's calling me into something for my life or a season of my life, you know? Um, encouraging them to, to really study it and to perfect and work on their craft they don't have to be perfect in what they're doing, but they're, they're spending the time to seriously consider it and say, okay, wh- who are mentors in my life that can help me develop these things, that kind of stuff too. Mm. Hopefully it wasn't too boring in the process, but okay. Yeah, um, not well all the time. I don't. I don't balance. She asked, "How do I balance work and travel and family?" And and I don't always balance it really well. But um, one thing that helped was when when our son was born, it was like kind of a reset. And so um, we we had about a year and a half to kind of figure that out. And and God's so gracious in that, right? Like he he's patient with us in the midst of our process and, and what we're doing. And he gave us some space to kind of sort some of that and when we came out of that season we were like okay there's there's boundaries for how we do it um so we're we'll we'll go on the road for about two weeks a month and so any month in particular i'm i'm really looking at about two to three weeks max that i would be away from my family and then i'd be home um it changed we we ended up getting a van because um the van would allow us to leave on say we're doing an event in atlanta on a friday night we can leave on Thursday night, get in on Friday morning, finish the event on Friday night, and be back in Ohio on Saturday morning. Um, and so we found ways to, like, where it felt like God was giving strategy f- to be able to say, okay, you can do this in a more compact way. Um, our international stuff, we do a lot in Australia and New Zealand and, and then in Europe as well. But those trips would be like three to five weeks at a time before. And now what we've said is that any of our international trips are seven to ten days max. And we, we did an event in Slovakia in March that was, I think I got in, I, w- I left on Friday. The event started Friday night, but we got in on Saturday and did the event on Saturday night and Sunday and then was back home on Monday. And uh, so it changes the way that we do stuff, but the Lord has really given us ways to do it where we do the first things first, which is family and raising our kids and teaching them to know the Lord because that's our biggest ministry. <laughs> and then the other parts, um, figuring out how to, to put those pieces in place around it. Did you still have a question in the back? Yeah. Are you going to be available later for the, uh, for the UC of the Southwest? I have two YouTube things that are very easy to put down, but I know that it's written music, and it's 
Yeah, I can give you my email too if you guys would like. It's just Brian. I'll give it to all of you. It's fine. I'll check it. And it's, <laughs> it's Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at hearts, H-E-A-R-T-S, wake, because our ministry is Hearts Wake Ministries, W-A-K-E dot O-R-G. So Brian at heartswake.org. And if you, yep, and I can, I, I can show it to you afterwards too if you need to. But yeah, I'm happy to do that. And a lot of what we do, a lot of what we do is, is worship nights or worship events and it just places where we gather together and worship. And then um, like all the other side of it is really worship training. So it's, it's talking with teams and, and leaders and just saying, how can we do this more effectively? And the whole Hearts Wake side of what we do is really focused on training and equipping worship leaders. So if you have questions, email me. Happy to, happy to jump on a call and, and all that stuff too. I would I would just find as many opportunities to show and tell as you can. You know, whether it be on if you have like a, a night that you guys all meet together, um, then then doing that and having the team kinda grow on that too. But if there's if there's home group nights or if you're like, Hey, we're just gonna get together and play some of these songs and you know, just put a song like Reckless Love on and just get everybody with their instruments play along to it. Um there's going to be some musical things that happen there, but there's also going to be some really important uh, spiritual growth things that happen there too. And just just seeing what God does, it's those. We we work with an, a ministry in Atlanta that has kind of built their whole worship team like that. It was just the 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 lead pastor was like, "Hey, Friday nights, we're come over to my house and and we're just going to play a couple songs together." And it's attracted people to their worship team and it's really built their worship team from the ground up. And a lot of the stuff in terms of worship culture has just been kind of set through that. And I think for a lot of us worship guys and, and girls and staffers in church, in local church, one of the, the things that the enemy wants to do is keep us away from worshiping as much as possible. Keep us busy or programming and all these things. And we need to do those things. But if you can get time just to worship with your people, it's you you can't underestimate how powerful that is in teaching oh yeah <laughs> well i had I was at a church out in California, and there was a guy who brought us in. He was kind of like a, to be fair, he was kind of a music snob, and that's all I'm going to say about. <laughs> but he, um, he was good, and he had, like a, he had like a pretty good career and stuff like that. But we played a set there, and he, he ended up, I, I, like he was frowning at the end of the set, and I was kind of like, 
oh, that's not good. We're not coming back anytime soon. But I asked him about it and, and got to debrief with him like the next day. And he was like, yeah, essentially he said, he's like, that was great noise, but it seemed like your heart was out of it. Like you, you weren't connected to it and stuff. And at first I was like, man, you know, whatever, you know, I just, you got your own issues, all that stuff. And I was ready to write him off on it. But what ended up happening through it, it was a real teaching moment for me. And it was a real like reality check for me too, to be like, Hey, are you going through the motions on this stuff? And are, are you taking this thing of worship in a, in a direction where you think it's like just a show or a set, you know, it's like, or a gig, that kind of thing. And, and it really brought me back to God's heart and back to relationship with him where it, it really changed our ministry from that point forward in a really powerful way. And so I think anytime that happens, there's, there's moments where it's really good to recognize where people are coming from and recognize like the angle that they might, you know, that kind of stuff. But the reality is, 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 is more than that stuff, God's sovereign. And, and those, those kind of things, like if, if he's bringing that into your life, there's, there's a reason for you to hear it. And it, whether it be a reaffirmation of his identity and saying, you know, I really, this is who you are and this is, this is and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to solidify your, your, your view on those things. Or if it's like, man, I do need to check this. Um, the goal always is that, like God, in sanctification, what God is doing in our lives is that we would become the character of God, that we'd be, we'd, our, our lives and our character would become his character. And so, so many of those times, if I've had those situations, they push me into these places to re-examine that in, in my heart and my motives in, in even leading people in worship and really digging wells in my heart for love of, of people and really serving and getting back to the heart of, of what it, it's really about to lead people in worship. And so, so that, if I can encourage you in that, that's, wh- that's what I would say, to, to that those moments can be these, they're really frustrating and it can be really discouraging at times, but just seeking out what, what is it that God is trying to speak to me in the midst of it and how can I receive that without maybe the garbage that the person is trying to put in the midst of it as well, if that makes sense? Yeah, man, I think, oh, that's, it's so tough because because pa- pastors, like, have a certain giftedness and skill set, right, and a calling in the church, which is to keep the sheep in line and to keep them in, in the fence, right? And the calling of a worship leader or a creative tends to be under more of, like, the call of a, under a father or a mother, which is releasing people. They're very different calls, right? And a lot of our worship people, like, they, they get misunderstood in churches and they get beat up and offended and discouraged because you've got somebody who's, who really needs to be um, empowering f- daughters and sons, but they're, they're corralling the sheep. And they're not necessarily wrong in that. You know what I mean? But I think I th- I think maybe to generally answer that it's that 
I, th- I, th- I really believe that, that for worship ministry in particular, we need to be identifying those fathers and mothers who can really empower and release those people into God-given creativity and identity and saying, add a boy, add a girl, you know, like I may not completely understand it, you know, but, but I, you know, I really love you and I care about you and who you are and, and I love who God has, has created you to be. And, um, and I think if we can identify those people, that's just so massive and it, it can, it can cover a lot of that stuff too. Cause I think we're, sometimes we're trying to fix things that aren't even issues. You know what I mean? Like this person may just be like, that's the way that they communicate, you know? And it's not that their theology is really off or, you know, any of that stuff. It's just like, it's just, this is how they're wired as a person and, and you're just not a creative and that's okay, you know? And so if we can start to trust each other a little bit on that without a, a big kumbaya moment. I think we can really begin to trust in, in the Lord that, that God, the one who began the good work, is faithful to complete it. And we don't always need to, to make, make it happen for those people, if that makes sense. And how do we do that in wisdom and, and in grace? Because we still need pastors. You know, We still need people to do that too. Well, that, I think that's it. I mean, most of you in this room, that's your heart for your students, right? And that's, I, I love sitting and talking with youth pastors because of that. It's like, man, I got these big vision, this big vision for what this looks like. And, and I, I know some of these are in my wheelhouse and some of these aren't, but I want to see it happen regardless of if they're in my wheelhouse or not. And I, I would say just focus on, it, in the ones that aren't in your wheelhouse or the people that you're like, man, I know these people are gifted in this way. I know that they need more direction and, and encouragement there. Find it in recruiting those people who can do that in your church and, and just people who are going to love, love those people in a way where they're going to be empowered and encouraged. I think that's the big one. And, and just trusting God in that too because maybe it, it may mean that, hey, I, I'm not going to be the person to lead this person to be the best singer that they're going to be or, or something like that. But I can pray for that part and I can love them in the place where they are just as a person and as a kid, you know, and finding the ways to like to do that and then release the things that you can't do, you know, all that kind of stuff too. All right, we're going to wrap up with one last question. So um, you've kind of touched on a little bit ways that you've uh, connected with youth pastors and youth leaders here, but that's who you're talking to a whole room of youth pastors and youth leaders. So if you could say anything to them to encourage them or to advise them on anything, what would you, what would you tell all of them? Man, I love what you do. And there is something really powerful and really significant about you pouring into and investing in this next generation. 
I think um, I'm a millennial, just barely. <laughs> I think I'm an old man in a millennial's body most of the time. But um, there was stuff in the millennial generation where a lot of people in my generation left church really offended, and they're actually carrying a lot of offense. And so when I speak to millennials, for a long time I was speaking to millennials kind of trying to appease the offense, you know, and, and, and help to heal some of that. But if I can encourage you, this next generation that's coming up is they're like swipe left, you know. <laughs> they're the swipe left genera- generation. Like they're, they're not offended by that stuff. They're, if they don't believe it, they just ignore it and they move on, right? And, and so the offense that a lot of, a, of my generation has carried in because we, rece- we, we saw that stuff and the stuff we didn't agree with, it still became part of us and we got offended by it and it got in like who we are. This generation doesn't have that. I think we're in a really good, oppor- amazing opportunity in the local church today. And this generation I think is, is really primed for, for um, harvest, really. So um, be encouraged. I think, I think um, a lot of the stuff we've had to worry about in the last probably 10, 15 years in terms of evangelism and relationship building, that kind of stuff, this generation, if they, if they know that it's true, if they feel it in their gut that it's true, then they're, they're in. You know, They don't have a lot of the baggage with it too. So be encouraged. It's, it's now is the time of harvest. Now is the time where we're going to start seeing that in, in the local church again.